We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And we're here. It's Cowboys Week. It's the end of Cowboys Week. By the time you guys are going to be listening to this podcast, it should be Friday morning when we're just days away from the beginning of the 21-22 playoffs. And we get to start that off. With 49ers and Cowboys, just a timeless classic. And I thought it was hilarious that Kyle Shanahan in in his uh, interviews this week says that the vast majority of the 49ers players, if not all of them, have have no idea what it means for the 49ers to play the Cowboys. You know, how many times in history the Cowboys were directly responsible for the 49ers not making it further in the playoffs or not making it to the Super Bowl. And... You know, the, the the Cowboys are are directly responsible with the 49ers perhaps not winning more than five Super Bowls. You know, I, I, I mean, I say perhaps, but of course they are. There were just so many times where the, the 49ers were responsible for sending the Cowboys home and the Cowboys were, spending, were responsible for sending the 49ers home. And, and you know, the I'm trying to think of what a, a, a good representation of this. I want to say it's almost like, the Bulls and the Pistons. I believe it was the Pistons back in the day. Um, and, he, and Michael Jordan talked about it in uh, The Last Dance, where like they were just their nemesis and their, their kryptonite. And the reason that they went home so many times. And once the 49ers finally got past the Cowboys, that's when their true, you know, their their true breaking out party, their true success began. And you know, I, I, Kyle Shanahan was just kind of laughing about the fact that nobody knows any of that on this roster. They just don't know what 49ers and Cowboys means as a whole in, in the NFL's history. And, and I mean, I don't think it's a reach at all to say that the 49ers and the Cowboys is, is both teams' biggest rivalry. I mean, I, it, when you extend 
beyond divisional rivalries and you go even above and beyond that, you would, you know, where, where else would the two of them go? If you know the history of the two teams, you know that, you know, that. and, and what's cool too, from being a video game nerd myself, it's red versus blue, baby, you know, going all the way back to the halo series, red versus blue. And, and to me, that's always been the case. And I'm assuming the 49ers are going to be able to go into Dallas and wear their home reds. Dallas where there's there there no matter what it's got a lot of blue going on so it's 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 just football at its peak it's 49ers football at its peak it's Cowboys football at its peak it's 49ers Cowboys in the playoffs and that to me just you know it it reaches all the way down to the roots of like our NFL fandom 49ers Cowboys in the playoffs I mean does it get better than that I don't think so. I don't think it does. And obviously, I guess it could if it could get better if it was later in the playoffs, you know, if it was for for everything. But it uh, it's uh, it's just a special week and I've been enjoying it. And you know what else I've enjoyed, too, is is the obviously the NFL machine. Uh, it benefits them to create the impression that all of these matchups are going to be close. And there's sometimes where, you know. And maybe they won't be. And obviously the playoffs can surprise anybody. But with the 49ers and Cowboys and everything I've read, I, I think that the 49ers are, are definitely getting respected when it comes to what they can do in the playoffs and what they're capable of doing and the teams they're capable of beating. And it doesn't seem like anybody is riding the 49ers off despite taking the more difficult, you know, the, the tortured road to get to the playoffs and dropping some bad losses along the way. It doesn't seem like anybody's expecting the 49ers to lose, you know, as much as they're expecting the Cowboys to win. So uh, it's uh, it's just been an interesting week to kind of sit back, listen to all the, you know, the storylines, the stories, the hypotheses, the, you know, the predictions, the, it, it, it's just been, I think it's, it's just setting itself up to be a, a classic matchup and who knows if that will be the case, but it, it's just been an, it's been an awesome week. So let's get into your 49ers. Um, just to start it off with some injury news, because for what seems like the first time in forever, for what, for what seems like the first time in forever, the 49ers are actually on the good side of Injury news, like just every little bit of injury news that has come out of from from that building has been positive. You know, to start it off, everybody that used to be on the COVID list is off the COVID list. Obviously, Jimmy Ward, Dante Johnson, they played. Uh, Kwan Williams was off the COVID list, but he wasn't feeling good enough to play against the Rams, and he's been a limited participant in practice. So hopefully. Uh, he can find his way on the field because the 49ers are going to need all their cornerbacks that they've got against the against the Cowboys because the Cowboys have plenty of, of firepower coming from those wideouts. So if the 49ers can get K1 Williams back on the field, that'd be great. Uh, Diamador Lenore, uh, the 49ers' fifth-round rookie corner, he was the last one to come off the list, uh, but he is off the list. So everybody that was on you know, the entire secondary that got smacked with that COVID list uh, leading up to the Rams game, everybody is now off of that. And obviously, in bigger news, Trent Williams is back at practice. The 49ers star left tackle is back at practice. And that cannot be understated. You just cannot talk about that enough. 
what it means to get Trent Williams back. Now, I feel like kind of everybody expected him to come back. You know, like Trent Williams said himself in today's interview that, that trying to come back for that Rams game as much as he wanted to, he just felt like it was just too much. And for a guy like Trent Williams, that seems like if the world the world reverted back to, you know, swords and spears, Trent really the guys like Trent Williams would rule the world. Just an unbelievably massive freak athlete, true silverback gorilla in the in the truest sense of the words. If he can't play in a game, he can't play in a game. There's I don't think there's a soul on this earth that would doubt Trent Williams' resolve and what he's capable of. And which is kind of a crazy thing to say, given his history with uh, the Washington football team. They kind of treated him like he was sandbagging and he was finding reasons not to play. And and now that we've come to know him and we've got him for a couple of years, it seems like that couldn't be further from the truth. So that just tells you how dysfunctional the Washington football team is, let alone being called the football team for a couple of years. Is, that's a mark of dysfunction enough. But – you know, in terms of just making Trent Williams look like somebody who wasn't up to snuff is is pretty unbelievable now that we see uh, the type of person Trent Williams is. And so he's back at practice uh, as far as his elbow sprain, which was holding him out. He was wearing one of those uh, kind of tape braces, you know, those braces that are just basically tape on the skin. Um, and he said everything felt great. So, I mean, that's fantastic news for us. Horrible news for Dallas. Because, you know, Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. Um, is it Micah or Mika Parsons? I don't want to slaughter his name the whole time. I'll just call him Parsons. Shout out to shout out to Parsons. Um, you you just got back Trent Williams. Like Trent Williams is, is going to play. And damn, like there are the three most important positions in the NFL is quarterback, protect the quarterback, rush the quarterback. And the 49ers just got back the best left tackle in the NFL. No, I, I know he only missed one game, but it's just, I mean, you just cannot understate what that means. And it, it's just, it's Trent Williams. So it's good to have him back out there. The 49ers are absolutely going to need him in their playoff run. And sorry if I went a little overboard there, but it's Trent Williams, man. Like the fact that he's back on the practice field, you know, as we're leading up to this game is is a huge deal. And he it doesn't get any better than him. So even George Kittle was asked in his press interview what it meant to get Trent Williams back. And George was basically like, hey, uh, he's the best football player I've ever played with. So it's got to be a good thing, right? In typical Kittle fashion. So obviously it's a great thing that, that Trent Williams is back. Jimmy Garoppolo is practicing in full. Uh, you know, that's to be expected. I mean, I say that's to be expected, but think about the reality of a possible setback. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing through an injury that he has no business playing through. Uh, if everything is, is as has been described, he probably should have been out of football for at least a month. Uh, but he came back 10 days later, essentially, and by all intents and purposes, played pretty damn well against the Rams. Like I said in last the last pod, you have to respect what Jimmy Garoppolo did against the Rams. It wasn't the perfect game, but he did what he had to do to get the win when the chips were down and his back was against the wall. Jimmy Garoppolo did everything he had to do to win that game for his team. And playing through that injury, you got to respect it. It's so damn impressive. And he's continued to practice. He's throwing the ball around. You know, we've, we're seeing the clips of him throwing around. He looks good. And I would, I would assume that he is better than he was last time. You know, he's, he's in, his thumb has got to be improving. 
And that's good. That's good stuff for the 49ers because the Dallas Cowboys pass defense is no joke. And it would benefit them. I mean, it sounds so obvious to say, but it would benefit them to to have a Jimmy Garoppolo at 100% because that Dallas pass defense is not messing around. So Jimmy Garoppolo still at practice, still doing the damn thing and doing it the way we hope he's going to do it against the Cowboys. Um, you're hoping that it doesn't require the late game heroics and the team could just author a, a stomping victory. But I think we've come to learn that we're not going to get that from, <laughs> from the 49ers this year. Um, maybe, maybe it's just, it's just not meant to be. So hopefully we are limited in terms of the Jimmy decisions, we'll see. We'll see. Cowboys defense leading the NFL in interceptions with 26. And you scroll all the way to the other end of the, the spectrum, and you've got the 49ers with nine. That should tell you just a little bit of what they're facing this week. A little bit of what they're facing. You know, and I I am so irritated. I'm jumping on to the next subject, by the way. Sorry if that wasn't. Obvious. I was so irritated with myself after I got done recording last week. Last, I keep wanting to say last week's pod. The pod earlier this week, we talked about the Rams, the the win over the Rams. I got done. I think it was the next day. I was so irritated that I never mentioned Robbie Gould, one of the more impressive players from that game. That could just as easily be, you know, held responsible for that win. I have to. I have to jump back into this pod. Even though we're we're moving on from the Rams, we're on to we're on to the Cowboys, as Bill Belichick would say. I still have to come back and give a shout out to Robbie Gould. If you didn't know this, Mitch Wisnowski, the 49ers regular punter, normal every week, the guy. Mitch Wisnowski, respectable punter, solid. Highly drafted. He better be. He got concussed in the first half. Okay. Robbie Gould, the team's field goal kicker. Had to step in and punt for Mitch Wisnowski to finish the game. And not only did he step in and punt, but he excelled. Robbie Gould against the Rams made two field goals, made three extra points, and had two punts for 90 yards. That's a 45-yard average, which was a three yards over Mitch Wisnowski's average. And he put one inside the 20 and he was named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week this week. All that, and I forgot to mention him in my post-game reaction. So I'm chastising myself, but I'm also giving a shout-out to the ever-so-reliable Robbie Gold to come in and do that? Like, who does that? An old-ass kicker that's been doing his damn thing his whole career is like, hey, man, you want to punt? Because uh, ours just got knocked out. And he just steps in and does it better than the punter. <laughs> I mean, who does, what is that? Uh, he had the longest punt of the day, 47 yards, compared to Mitch's 43. It's just like, what? <laughs> and, you know, and also you got to throw in a little shout-out to uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who was uh, this week's mic'd up, and he stepped in. Normally, Mitch Wisnowski is the holder for Robbie Gould. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk stepped in, did that flawlessly. Obviously, didn't have any misses. Um, or problems. So, I mean, what a what a great just little shout-out to the special teams unit doing the damn thing. It was just once I actually dug into Robbie Gold and what he did in that game, I was just like, how the hell did you forget to mention this guy, Robert? Come on. So, shout-out to the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, 
Robbie, good as gold, baby. Let's go. 49ers also, moving on, activated Trey Sermon off of injured reserve, which, you know, rookie third-round running back, you would you would think that would be a huge boost, but I just don't know what Trey Sermon offers the 49ers right now that they're not already getting from Elijah Mitchell, Devo Samuel, Jeff Wilson. You know, it's not that Trey Sermon has been bad when he's been given his chances. He's had 41 carries for 161 yards. Um, which, you know, it's 4.1 yards a carry. That's solid. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's it just, I just don't know, you know, I don't know if 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 he's going to be a big part of this game moving forward. I would assume it's safe to say as long as Elijah Mitchell's healthy, then of course he won't be because Elijah Mitchell has just been outstanding. He's averaging 4.7 yards a carry, just under 1,000 yards, um, you know, and has a, a five touchdowns and I think another one through the air. So, Although it's great that Trey Sermon's injury isn't keeping him and holding him back any further, I just don't necessarily see him having a huge impact against the Cowboys. But at the same time, I say that the Cowboys, if they the defense, although it is impressive, uh, if it's shown itself to be vulnerable to one thing, it's the run. So if things go well for the 49ers, they could carry you know notch almost 40 carries, and maybe you've got some room in there for Trey Sermon, but. Um, I just don't necessarily see him coming back to some significant role, you know, when he's kind of been under and unable to capture that even when healthy. So we'll see if we see any Trey Sermon against the Cowboys. You know, one other thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to the Cowboys was, um, you know, okay. So at the end of the game against the Rams, okay. The 49ers came out the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo threw that late game interception. Uh, the one to George Kittle that was tipped around and picked off by Jalen Ramsey. And then the Rams went down and scored. So the 49ers, it was tied 17-17, another down 24-17. The 49ers get the ball back. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo gets sacked, which is basically a drive ender in that situation. 49ers have to punt. Apparently, with ESPN, I believe it was ESPN's win percentage, when the 49ers punted that ball back to the Rams with, I believe, a minute and change left to go. You know, let me actually go in there and find that because I wanna, I just want to get it right. Let's go possessions. All right, so when the 49ers punted the ball back to the Rams, there was, excuse me, yeah, there was a minute and 50 seconds left on the clock after the Rams three plays, which the 49ers called timeout on after every play, there was a minute and 27 seconds left. Okay, now rewind back a little bit. When the 49ers punted before that that drive for the Rams, there was a minute and 50 seconds left when the 49ers punted. Once they punted that ball, their win percentage was less than 1%. Everything had to go exactly the 49ers way for them to win the game at that point. And it did. The 49ers punted the ball. The Rams ran it three times. The 49ers sent them three and out. And, and it was smart for the Rams to do that. I don't necessarily think it was dumb of the Rams not to throw the ball because if there's an incomplete pass, uh, you're essentially giving the 49ers a timeout, and they don't need to use their third timeout, and that makes that last drive, if you don't convert that first down, all the more easier. So I didn't think it was weird that the Rams decided to run three times in a row. And so that took it all the way down to a minute and 27 seconds, and the Rams punted back to the 49ers, and that is the drive. Uh, they actually didn't even need a minute and 27 seconds. The 49ers scored in almost exactly a minute, five plays, 83 yards, and in for the touchdown from – I believe it was Jawan Jennings. I just can't believe that 
when the 49ers punted that ball with a minute and 50 seconds left, they had less than a 1% chance to win the game. And they won the game. Like, I don't know how often that happens. I don't know really how accurate those, you know, statistical chance little, whatever you want to call them, machines are, are at, you know, at creating. But, I mean, that just, that's got to be impressive. There's so many little stats that came from that Rams win that were just nuts. That that 45-0, and 0, Sean McVay, if he's leading at halftime, he's 45-0. and 0. The fact that, you know, now he's 45-1 and 1 because of the 49ers. 49ers had less than 1% chance to win the game after that punt. You know, that's, that's wild. And then the last thing I'll mention about the Rams game, hopefully you've seen it, kind of took off a little bit on my Twitter. Um, I posted the 49ers video of, what the Rams stadium sounded like when Emmanuel Mosley picked off Matthew Stafford to ice the game. And it is unbelievable. It will probably give you the chills. If you haven't heard it, um, either go on the 49ers Twitter, go on my Twitter, scroll down a little bit. You'll see the video of um, it's taken from kind of like the secondary's view, you know, a little bit down the field, probably from behind the end zone. And it's just a perfect view of Emmanuel Mosley picking that pass off. And the entire stadium erupts. And you got to realize that this isn't SoFi Stadium. This isn't the Rams Stadium. And the, the stadium just erupts. And it just sounds like a massive home crowd. But it's not. It's the, how many 49ers fans went to that game, which is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I think even Bleacher Report passed the video on because it's just you just do not see stuff like that. The 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 roar that that interception drew was just unbelievable. It would it would be impressive for if the, it was a 49ers home game, but it's not. It's it's all the way in L.A. and you know I say all the way in L.A. It's still in California, and obviously 49ers trans 49ers fans travel well. But if you have not seen that video, go check it out. It is so damn cool. Um, and then, you know, there's this whole other interaction that I posted on my Twitter. It's so funny because from this camera angle, it's kind of close down to the field. So you, the players that are a little closer, you can really only see from like their number down. Well, Fred Warner just calmly walks over to where exactly where Amy Thomas picked the ball off, where the refs kind of are. And he's just standing there because he obviously wants to wait and hear what the call is. Ambry Thomas, everybody's running over there and celebrating kind of like right in front of the Rams sideline, which is hilarious. And Jimmy Ward runs up, who's also a veteran, along with Fred Warner. And he, like, looks at Fred Warner, sees that he's not celebrating, looks over at the the majority of the defense that is celebrating, runs over to kind of celebrate, looks back at Fred Warner, celebrates a little bit, kind of taps some guys on the shoulder, turns around, starts walking to Fred Fred Warner, sees that he's not celebrating. And he's, like, torn. He's, like, man, I want to celebrate with my teammates, but Fred's over here being this calm, stoic leader that's just waiting for the call. And then Jimmy Ward kind of as he's looking towards Fred Warner, and he's kind of like motioning with his hands like, hey, man, you want to come over here and celebrate with us? He looks up at the the huge circular screen that's at the top of the Rams stadium, and he sees a replay. And Jimmy Ward like really quickly goes like, hey, it's a touchdown. Come over here, celebrate. And it, it's just so funny. You have to see it. I know my description's horrible, but – you got to see it. It's a great interaction. You got to see the video period if you haven't already, just for the roar of the crowd. But once you once you see the interception, then pay attention for the interaction interaction between Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward. It's awesome. It's hilarious. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so moving on. 49ers versus Cowboys. 49ers versus Cowboys. I'm going to just kind of talk to you you guys through this game, kind of like from my heart. I, I wrote down plenty of from my heart, like it's going to be emotional. I wrote down plenty of little statistical things and, and you know, more of like matchup deals. Because obviously, I think with most 49ers fans and most 49ers analysts and 49ers community, NFL Twitter, when they think of Cowboys versus 49ers in the two teams' current state, I think the first thing that everybody's going to think of is the Cowboys, you know, bevy of wide receivers versus the 49ers. You know, beat up cornerbacks, which is fine. It's respectable. That's that's. There's nothing wrong with thinking that. You've got CeeDee Lamb, who has 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. You've got Amari Cooper. 865 yards, eight touchdowns. You've got Dalton Schultz, my fantasy tight end, 808 yards and eight touchdowns. Okay, just between those three players right there. And let's throw in Cedric Wilson, who's having a respectable season, 602 yards, six touchdowns. Michael Gallup missed a good portion of the season with an injury, 440 yards, two touchdowns. Okay, let's okay, let's let's take let's just take those five. No, that's too big of a number. Let's take the top three. Okay, between the top three targets, each one of those guys, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, they have over 100 targets each. Between the three of them, they have almost 350 targets and 3,000 yards and almost 30 touchdowns. 20, almost 25 touchdowns. 
Like that is a ton of production. And it's not like the 49ers defense is incapable of going up against a group like that. They, they very much can. They've proven that. You know, it doesn't always go well. But if there's anything they can do, D'Amico Ryan and his defense have proven that they can handle a little bit of adversity. Unless it's A.J. Brown on third down. Can't handle that. Or Devontae Adams. But who can handle Devontae Adams? Go, dogs. Let's go, baby. Now, I think that's and, – and I think it's fine to think of, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind is is that wide receiver group versus the likes of Emmanuel Mosley, who they just got back. Uh, Amory Thomas, who is a, uh, a brand spanking new rookie who's been taking his lumps throughout the season uh, despite just having a game-winning interception. God, that's got to do a lot for your confidence right there. Game-sealing interception, I guess you could say. Game-winning, whatever you want to say. So, you know, it's – I would say that that's a very, very significant mismatch, if not a mismatch, a very significant advantage – for the Cowboys, and, and I think it's I think it's okay to start there. The Cowboys have a very very explosive passing game. I think they're actually right behind the 49ers in terms of yards per attempt. Now that probably seems weird to say. Like what the 49ers passing game is more explosive than the Cowboys? It is in terms of yards per attempt, which you know that's only one small piece of the pie. I think it would be fair to say that the 40, the Cowboys' offensive, you know, firepower is a little stronger than the 49ers on offense, but at the same time, maybe not. I mean, when you look at it, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's been more productive. Probably averaged just more yards per play. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is averaging just under 14 yards per play. Debo Samuel, Samich, did I say Debo Samich? I'm I'm hungry. Leave me alone. Debo Samuel averages 18.2 yards per play. Like that is massive. Four extra yards in terms of an average is massive. So while I sit here and you know, the really the the mismatch is in, is in more on the 49ers side of things than it is on the Cowboys, because the 49ers on offense just have have, have equally impressive firepower. You've got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. You know those three to me, hit just as hard as a C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz. Yeah, you've got some give and take there in terms of quality of players. But, and then when you look at that group in terms of the average yards created per play, the 49ers have the edge there. But I'm not, again, I'm not really talking about Cowboys offense compared to the 49ers offense. I'm talking about Cowboys offense going up against the 49ers defense. The 49ers passing defense gives up explosive plays, whether through, and you've seen them, whether through big down-the-field plays where the cornerback is there and just can't make a play or whether it's through pass interferences, which don't technically go towards you know those types of stats. But we, we know that the 49ers are vulnerable when it comes to giving up explosive passing plays in what seemed like the worst moments. It seems like the 49ers are most vulnerable on third and long, at least through the air. We've seen it so many times, time and time again. That you know, third and long doesn't really make anybody feel good. Now, I guess it, it it can start to if the 49ers pass rush can really generate like it did against the Rams, then you could feel good about your third and longs because that's when uh, a pass rush gets a tee off. But you're also talking about throwing the ball downfield uh, against some corners that maybe leave some to, to be desired. And you know, Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart, you know, solid. 
Jimmy Ward's pretty good, but again, Jimmy Ward's biggest knack is he really doesn't make too many plays in the passing game. So there's definitely an advantage for the Cowboys there that it really just comes down to the pass rush. Like you cannot give Dak time. Dak as 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 much as Dak's Prescott's athleticism is still a part of his image, he's very much a pocket quarterback. He he I mean he really does not rely on his run game. He's completed almost 70% of his almost 69% of his passes. Nice. For 40 essentially 4500 yards. He's got 30 where's his where's his touchdowns here? 37 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. You know, that is a solid ratio. And so he's a he's a very solid drop back quarterback. You know, he only has 146 yards rushing this season. So it, that's not a huge part of his game. And in those rushes, he only averaged three yards to carry. So he's not carving up defenses with his legs. He is really a drop-back quarterback. And with every other drop-back quarterback, you know, Dak does have some athleticism to rely on, but the 49ers just need to tee off, and they cannot give him time. Dak's tough. Nick Bosa said it himself. Dak Prescott's a tough quarterback. He will hang in that pocket, and he will find one of those receivers to throw to he will figure it out. And, you know, he's also got a running back. You know, it, you would think it's – he's got – I mean, you know, both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are catching the ball like pretty – I wouldn't say like crazy, but Tony Pollard's got 40 catches. Ezekiel Elliott's got 47. Okay, so he's always got multiple outlets to go to. So with that many weapons, the best thing the 49ers can do, can do is just knock Dak off his timing. Get after him, force him to move around the pocket, force him to roll out, buy some time, force him to just force him out of his comfort zone. You know, and, and I was really, really impressed with Guy Haberman from the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. I caught a little bit of him and John Middlecoff recording during my lunch hour, I believe it was. And Guy had an, a, a great stat talking about 14 times this season, the 49ers have held quarterbacks under their average for production-wise. And Dak Prescott, you know, he produces almost 290 yards a game. And the 49ers have consistently held quarterbacks under their average. And while Dallas has continued to win, when Dak is performing at his, below his average, Dak Prescott's touchdown-to-interception ratio goes up. He throws more interceptions when he's being held under his average. So really, it kind of just comes, you know, it comes with the stinginess of the defense. And I thought that was a great stat from from guys. So you know, if the 49ers can can keep Dak below what he normally does, and and the 49ers have proven that they can do that, then maybe they have a chance at forcing Dak Prescott into some mistakes. Now, the 49ers, like I said earlier, are not anywhere near. They're at the bottom of the league when it comes to forcing turnovers, especially through the air. So they're they're at the bottom of the league when forcing turnovers through the air. So it, it's not necessarily something you want to say, this is what the 49ers need to do to win. But to me, I'd just like to boil it down to the fact that if the 49ers can hold Dak below his average, he'll make mistakes. Those could be in the ways of interceptions or just incomplete passes. But if they can they can keep him from shining, it seems obvious. Hey, if you can keep a quarterback from shining, you should be all right. Yeah, I get, I get that. But 
you know, I, I do think that did think that that was a cool stat from guy that required a little bit of homework. And, um, I'm, I'm glad I jumped in there to hear it. And Nick Bosa in his press conference today said, you know, you got Tyron Smith, one of the best left tackles in the NFL, but he's been on and off the field and he's been on and off the field for multiple seasons. So, and, and Nick Bosa said they're beatable. These guys are beatable. That Dallas offensive line, they're good. Uh, their guards are great. Their center's a little bit of a weak point, but those left tackles, or those, excuse me, those tackles are beatable. And the 49ers have a pass rush capable of beating them. You know, you've got, um, let me see if I can actually divide these by sacks. There we go. You've got Nick Bosa, who's obviously leading the team with 15 and a half sacks. You have Arden Key, who's really coming on. He's got six and a half to his own. Eric Armstead's got six. Samson Embicom's got four and a half. And they're all, they've all been good at creating pressure, at you know, getting in a quarterback's face and just working as a unit to create pressure. And that's what they're going to have to do. And Nick Bosa knows. Nick Bosa knows that his sack numbers is not a reflection of that defense. And especially when you're seeing these screenshots come over Twitter of Nick Bosa having three offensive linemen or offensive players guarding him while the quarterback gets sacked. And that just means Nick Bosa took one for the team so his boys could go to work. And the, the good thing for the 49ers right now is they're showing that they have multiple defensive linemen that are capable of winning. And if Nick Bosa needs to absorb two players every play to make that happen, then that's just the way it is. Football's a team sport. We know Nick Bosa's capable of producing on his own, but sometimes that offensive line is just going to do – coaches will go into meetings and say, hey, look, y'all are going to have to hold your own because we're going to make sure Nick Bosa doesn't beat us. And that means if we have to give him a left tackle and a tight end every single play, then that's what we're going to do. And – that just opens up one-on-one matchups for other players. Arden Key in his interview today was like, man, we understand what Nick Bosa is doing for us, and that's why we're winning as a unit. You know, He talked about how the fact that he's been playing inside more than he's ever played in his career, he's liking it, and it's just because the team is just growing accustomed to exploiting those matchups as somebody like Nick Bosa creates. Uh, Arden Key's interview was really cool. If you want to jump on the 49ers YouTube account, uh, you'd have to go about three quarters of the way through the video. That's the same video as D'Amico Ryans, uh, Mike McDaniel. Uh, I think George Kittle was in there. Trent Williams was in there. You know, it's, it's a, it's a long video with a lot of team interviews, but Arden Keys was really cool, man. You could just see that he's so happy to be with the 49ers, so happy to be under a coach that allows him to produce. And he just said everything about being at this team has exceeded, exceeded his expectations. And, I wouldn't say he got necessarily emotional when he was asked about the fact that he may have statistically and productively, his productivity may have outpriced him from the 49ers keeping him around next year. And you could tell he kind of just became a little nut. He just kind of spoke up a little bit and was like, man, I'm not worried about that at all. Like, I don't care. I love it here. We're a tight group. Uh, no cap in our rap, I think he said. <laughs> There's no cap in this rap, whatever whatever the exact words was. But you can tell he's just having the time of his life under Chris Kosarek, the defensive line coach, who's really brought out the most of him. I mean, he's second in sacks on a, on a very respectable 49ers defensive front. So to me, that group is – that group shoulders the burden of Dallas's passing weapons. Like, I understand that it's the secondary's job to cover these receivers – but none of that shit matters if that defensive unit can create problems, get home, 
uh, pressure Prescott and just keep him on on his heels. And uh, you know, the one thing you got to think is is Dallas probably has taken a good hard look on what the Titans did against the 49ers, which obviously the 49ers could have very easily won that game. But if there's one thing the Titans did do right was uh, they they were in like max protection uh, a lot of the game. They what Arden Key said is. They had empty chippers, which means there's guys in the backfield. They would put a tight end and a running back like just behind the tackle. So if you think about a pass rusher trying to run the arc around the left tackle and there's just a running back or a tight end standing there, you're just running into another little wall. It makes their job incredibly difficult, and that's what he said the Titans did a good job with is setting those guys back there. And it seemed to me like the Titans did a good job the Titans had the downfield firepower to sacrifice some men in pass protection, and the Cowboys have the same luxury. They have the downfield firepower in, you know, Michael uh, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz. You know, all those names starting from the bottom up, all those guys are capable of producing and and they they've all shown that they're capable of making big plays. So the Cowboys have the firepower to play in max protection. And then only, you know, I guess you would only be able to have about two of those receivers on the field, but they have the quality receivers to do it. And so that's what the 49ers that to me really dictates this matchup is the 49ers defensive front being able to get after Dak Prescott and, that's really the only way you're going to be able to alleviate the pressure that those receivers are going to put on that secondary. And on the flip side of things, you've got a 49ers offense that should be very capable of thriving against Dallas. What do the 49ers want to do? I know y'all just said run the ball because you're smart. The 49ers want to run the ball. The Dallas Cowboys are not a good rush defense. The Dallas Cowboys give up, on average, four and a half yards a carry. 14 times this season, they've given up a run of 20-plus yards. And the 49ers are one of the most explosive run teams in the NFL. They're the top 10 in the NFL in explosive run plays. The Cowboys are in the bottom of the NFL in terms of being vulnerable to explosive plays. The third worst, I believe. So you have a perfect matchup there. But it doesn't always work like that especially in the playoffs when you've got a team that knows a defense that knows they're, they're most vulnerable to the run, then they're probably going to do everything they can to stop that run. And it's still not going to, it still doesn't mean the 49ers aren't going to be able to run the ball. The 49ers have ran the ball effectively against much better rushing defenses like the Rams. But that, you know, things get weird like that because to me the easiest solution for any defense when looking at the 49ers is let's stop the run and force Jimmy Garoppolo to beat us. And against a secondary that's done pretty damn good throughout this season, that's hard to do. That's that's hard to do. So it's it's going to come down to you know, the it's going to come down to the 49ers maintaining that pressure on the ground. I think the the Cowboys are really going to sell out to stop that run. And then, so if, if that happens, then it, it falls on Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, not throwing an interception to Trevon Diggs. Who's got 11 of them this year. Jeez. 
11 of them. Now, I, I've seen a lot of other stats about Diggs, about how what he gives up in the past game. You know, it kind of reminds me of Marcus Peters, the stuff I used to hear about Marcus Peters. Good, makes plays, probably takes a lot of risks, and sometimes those risks don't pay off. But, I mean, it's tough to argue against 21 pass breakups and 11 interceptions. So, you know, it, it, the 49ers, if the 49ers can run the ball, I really think they got a shot. Because if you can run the ball, it doesn't matter what the other offense is capable of. You're keeping them on the sideline. The Dallas Cowboys defense is vulnerable against the run. The 49ers are among the best rushing teams in the NFL. That should be where the game is decided. And if the Dallas Cowboys really do sell out to stop that run, then theoretically the 49ers with their bevy of weapons too, because like like I was saying earlier, me touting the Cowboys pass catchers is not an indictment of the 49ers. You've got Debo Samuel. You've got Brandon Ayuk. You've got George Kittle. You've got a Juwan Williams who just proved himself to be incredibly clutch. You've got a bunch of pass catchers that are capable of taking off, taking advantage of the Cowboys too. It really just all falls down to Jimmy Garoppolo and what he's comfortable doing because while we have seen Jimmy Garoppolo just come up incredibly clutch, incredibly clutch in those in those moments. I mean, you know, but we've also seen that he can create those scenarios. That he can be the reason that an incredibly clutch clutch drive is even needed. You know? And obviously, we already know that the 49ers offensive line has has to be on its P's and Q's. We we know that. I mean, that the the Dallas Cowboys group of pass rushers is, is just as solid as the 49ers. Nico Parsons, an absolute freak linebacker who has 13 sacks, but still has 84 total tackles. Randy Gregory, six sacks. Marcus Lawrence, three. Terrell Basham, three and a half. Lawrence Armstrong, defensive end, has got five. So, you know, obviously that's a huge matchup right there. But Trent Williams stepping in. It's not, you know, Tom Compton, which has been weird to say, has been really good. I know that he's, he's much stronger against the run. But, I mean, he just has... I saw someone mention on Twitter today, like, is Tom Compton having a better season than Mike McGlinchey before he got hurt? Like, how often as of late have you heard Tom Compton's name mentioned when it comes to being a liability? He started off pretty rough, and he gave up quite a bit. But as of late, it seems like he's really coming on. So he's going to really be tested. I believe I've also read that Mika Parsons does a lot of his rushing on the defense's left side, the offense's right. That would put him right up against Tom Compton and Daniel Brunskill. So, I mean, if Daniel Brunskill can handle Aaron Donald, he can handle anything, right? It's really a weird phenomenon, by the way. The fact that the 49ers have somehow found a way to just completely neutralize Aaron Donald. Like, it's been weird. And if it's not, if he's maybe if I took a closer look at the tape, maybe he's, they're not completely neutralizing him. But if you can find a way to neutralize Aaron Donald or at least, at least make him to where he doesn't have the impact that the best defensive lineman in the NFL has, then the 49ers should be able to work their way around Mika Parsons and Randy Gregory. But that's not to be taken lightly. Not to be taken lightly. And, you know, what's weird about the Cowboys passing defense, that as I was just kind of glancing through their numbers, kind of like on like an overall statistic they're supposed to be among the best of the NFL but there there's some like chinks in the armor when you almost looking through the numbers 
In terms of like yards per catch, I think they're like right at the bottom of the NFL, giving up the most. They've given up the most yards, and they've given up a ton of explosive plays. What are the 49ers passing attacks? What is their their passing attack excelling? Yards after the catch, yards per catch, and yards after the catch, and explosive plays. So as much as this, this emphasis is being placed on the 49ers' ability to run the ball against Dallas, there may be a scenario where they have a lot of success through the air too. It's just like anything, it falls on Jimmy Garoppolo. What Jimmy Garoppolo experience are we going to get? And I think a good word to kind of transition to my next and final point is experience. The 49ers are a more experienced playoff team than this version of the Cowboys. Obviously, the 40, the Cowboys as a whole have a ton of playoff experience, but the, this 49ers team, is as weird as this is to say, because it still feels young, I guess. And I know it's not. I know it's not even a young team, but this 49ers team is very experienced in, in the postseason. They were just went all the way to the Super Bowl two years ago. And to them, that probably feels like yesterday. I don't think, has Dak Prescott ever played in a playoff game? I'd have to check. I guess that would have been something to figure out. But I know this Dallas Cowboys team doesn't have as much postseason experience as the 49ers. And that is a huge element. You know, like the 49ers, you know, what being in that atmosphere can just do things to your nerves. It could bring out the best in you, but it could also exacerbate your flaws. It could, it can, you know, just have you doing things that you've never done before in your life. So the 49ers have a decided edge in terms of just postseason experience, recent postseason experience. And that may show up, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is, is taking his lumps, but he's also had his great games and he went all the way to the Super Bowl. Having only only needing to throw like twenty times, so we'll see. That is a very notable advantage that that needs to be accounted for, in my opinion, for the 49ers. Is they have a lot of experience in the postseason. George Kittle talked about it in his interview. Man, he said, "Man, I've got more playoff games than Tony Gonzalez ever had in fourteen years." You know, Hall of Fame tight end Trent. When he, George Kittle has more playoff games than Trent Williams does. I think Trent Williams has two. I believe George said. George Kittle has more playoff experience than a lot of the veterans on the team, or at the very least, more recently. And so, you know, you can't, as kind of like, George Kittle's a veteran on this team now, obviously, but he just still seems young. Maybe that's his personality, but this relatively young 49ers team with some budding stars, they still got a decent amount of playoff experience. And they should be able to use that. And then on top of that experience, the 49ers are just such a physical football team. They will hit you in the mouth over and over and over. It's like that Marshawn Lynch interview. He basically said, like, you know, once I realized that I can hit someone in the mouth over and 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 over, and they don't want to take that. And that's kind of how the 49ers play ball. They are a physical football team on offense and defense. And that's kind of their their brand on offense, too. Like, I can't remember who exactly said it, but the 49ers play offense like a defensive, 
like a defense. The 49ers play offense like a defense. They smack the hell out of people. Their receivers block. Everybody blocks. They're making, you know, they've got highlight blocks and hits on a weekly basis. They run the ball like crazy. I mean, you're talking about a team that against the Rams ran the ball 10 times in a row and then scored a touchdown. How many teams will do that? It reminds me of that when the 49ers went on their Super Bowl run against the Vikings. Uh, Richard Sherman had that pick of Kirk Cousins. And then the 49ers proceeded to run the ball like six or seven times in a row and just punch it into the end zone. Average like four and a half, five yards a carry, just boom, 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 touchdown. That is so demoralizing, and that is the 49ers brand of football. And I don't know if Dallas has, has experienced that like the 49ers have. You know, the 49ers are such a physical football team, and that is how you want to play playoff football. You win playoff games by playing defense and running the football. And the 49ers have done both pretty well. Pretty well. I saw some other tweets about, you know, the quality of opponent that, you know, that Dallas has faced. And I guess, I mean, there's some credence to that. But, you know, not all too worried about that. I'm not all that worried about that. I want to, uh, you know, once you get into the playoffs, it's all different. It's all different. So to me, the the some of the big two of the biggest forty advantages the 49ers have is the fact that they're experienced in the postseason and they play a physical brand of football that I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be able to match. Does that mean they're going to win? Absolutely not. The you don't get the the luxury of playing that kind of football if you don't if things don't go okay. You know, like the 49ers got lucky against the Rams going down seventeen to zero. That almost seems like a death sentence for the offense the 49ers want to run, but they were able to rally back. They were able to make it happen. Kyle Shanahan didn't get away from that brand. I don't I don't know if you're going to be able to do that against the Cowboys. Are the, is the Cowboys a more high-powered offense than the Rams? It sure seems like it. They dropped a couple 50 bombs to end the season. You know, So if the 49ers can channel that experience and play that physical brand of football and keep that Dallas offense off the field, uh, things could go real well for them. Things could go real well. There's a there's a clear path to victory here for the 49ers. It's not going to take some miracle effort. It's just going to take some mistake free foot, football and really focusing on what's what's gotten you here. You know, ride the horse that you came in on. And uh, if the 49ers can do that, I do have think they have a very good shot. I think they have a very good shot. And I'm going to leave it at that. Not going to play the prediction game. I suck at those anyways. I did think the 49ers are going to beat the Rams though, but that doesn't mean anything. They've beaten the Rams six times in a row. Suck it, Sean McVay. Um, hey, this very well could be the last game preview of this season, or it could not. Y'all know I'm a positive guy. I want to, I want to be back here doing the same damn shit next week, but if it's not, I appreciate you. It's been one hell of a season. Hopefully the 49ers can go into AT&T stadium, bring their fans just like they brought against the Rams and and go in there and impose their will and win that game and then move on to the next stop of the playoffs. If the 49ers beat the Cowboys, I don't think there's any limit to who they can beat and how far they can go this postseason. And that's kind of an exciting thought. You know, if if they can 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 just, you know, clinch that fist. I'm clinching my fist right now. They can clinch that fist and beat the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium, 
I think every other playoff team is going to look at that and go, oh, shit. I really do. So hopefully the 49ers can get that done. Hey, I appreciate you guys for listening to Striking Gold. I really, really, really do. I say it every episode, and I will never stop saying it. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I appreciate it. Uh, you are the you are what makes this podcast go around. Damn, it's not me sitting here talking on the mic. It's the fact that you guys will actually listen to my ass say the shit I do. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making what it is. Thank you. Please make sure to, to rate and review the podcast um, if you feel so inclined. And uh, just support it in whatever way you can, and I appreciate it. All right? Hey, beat the Cowboys, baby. Let's go, Niners. Do the damn thing. That way I can be on here. You know, it felt so good to get on here after that Rams game and just be positive. You know I want to do the same thing after Sunday's game against the Cowboys. And hopefully I'll have the opportunity to do that. But if not, I'll be on here either way. Y'all know what it is. But, hey, again, appreciate you. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. We're signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.